Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I don't see any prime time hearing set for gas price, for battling inflation, for feeding our children, for making the streets safer. tells you a lot about the priorities of our ruling class that the rest of us are getting yet another lecture about January 6th tonight from our moral inferiors, no less. An outbreak of mob violence, a forgettably minor outbreak by recent standards that took place more than a year and a half ago, but they've never stopped talking about it. In the meantime, in the 18 months since January 6th, gas prices have doubled. Drug ODs have reached their highest point ever. The U.S. economy is now careening toward a devastating recession at best, and scariest and least noted of all, this country has never in its history been closer to a nuclear war. Yet the other networks cannot be bothered to cover any of that tonight. Instead, they've interrupted their regularly scheduled programming to bring you yet another extended primetime harangue from Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney about Donald Trump and QAnon. The whole thing is insulting. In fact, it's deranged, and we're not playing along. This is the only hour on an American news channel that will not be carrying their propaganda live. They are lying, and we are not going to help them do it. What we will do instead is to try to tell you the truth. We've attempted to do that since the day this happened. We hated seeing vandalism at the U.S. Capitol a year and a half ago, and we said so at the time. But we did not think it was an insurrection because it was not an insurrection. It was not even close to an insurrection. Not a single person in the crowd that day was found to be carrying a firearm, some insurrection. In fact, the only person who wound up shot to death was a protester. She was a 36-year-old military veteran called Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt was just over five feet tall. She was unarmed. She posed no conceivable threat to anyone. But Capitol Hill police shot her in the neck and never explained why that was justified. Those are the facts of January 6th. But since the very first hours, they have been distorted beyond recognition, relentlessly, culminating with last night. Last night, CBS Nightly News told its viewers that insurrectionists at the Capitol on January 6th, quote, caused the deaths of five police officers. That is a pure lie. There is nothing true about it, and they know that perfectly well. Here's reporter Bob Costa, who should be deeply ashamed to say something this dishonest. Thursday's primetime hearing will take Americans back to January 6th when an estimated 2,000 rioters breached the Capitol building, causing the deaths of five police officers. It's hard to believe he said that. Rioters caused the deaths of five police officers. You just heard CBS News tell its viewers that. This must be the big lie theory. 
the more bewilderingly false a claim is, the more likely you will be to believe it. Apparently, that's what they're betting on. In fact, precisely zero police officers were killed by rioters on January 6th. Not five, none, not a single one. So how'd they get to five? Well, CBS is counting the suicides of local police officers who took place after January 6th. In some cases, long after January 6th. Suicide, unfortunately, is pretty common among cops. Policing is a tough job, as we've noted. But in these specific cases, the one CBS is referring to, the chief of Washington, D.C.'s police department told the New York Times that actually he had no idea if his officers were driven to kill themselves by January 6th. CBS just made that up. The fifth death that CBS News is referring to is of Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick. You will remember his name. Sicknick's body lay in state at the Capitol after the media told us he'd been beaten to death by Trump voters with a fire extinguisher. Here's what they told you. Officer Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. Once again, that's not true. Everything you just heard was completely fabricated. The DC medical examiner performed an autopsy and the autopsy report showed that Officer Brian Sicknick had not suffered any kind of blunt force trauma. He was not beaten to death. He died of a stroke in his office later. No one has been charged in Officer Sicknick's death because Officer Sicknick wasn't murdered. They are lying to you. That is provable. Not a single person you just saw has apologized for lying. Not a single one. And it's not just the news media. Here's Congressman Pete Aguilar of California claiming that officers lost their lives on January 6th. These hearings will be a chance for the country to come together, to rally around the truth and unite around the rule of law. We owe it to the officers who lost their lives and the officers who were injured uh, to tell that story and to ensure that this never happens again. Let's rally around the truth, he says, as he lies to you. May those words burn your tongue, liar. But what did happen exactly on January 6th? What's the truth of that day? Well, that's still unknown. From the extensive video we have of January 6th, it's clear that some in the crowd, more than a few, were encouraging protesters to breach the Capitol to commit felonies. We're not guessing at that. We've showed you the tape. We have pictures of their faces. In the case of a man called Ray Epps, we know his name, but they've never been charged. Ray Epps was standing in exactly the same place that a lot of people who went to jail were standing, but he wasn't charged. His name was taken off the FBI's most wanted list. Why is that? It doesn't make any sense at all. It's a self-fulfilling problem. You demonize and then you, it, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast, episode 604. My God, we did 600 episodes and I totally forgot to say anything about it. So, 
Today's podcast, you know it's going to be the SCOTUS assassination. It is going to be January 6th. And I like that intro there because you see the dark money. Why don't we ever hear about that? I mean, we had the dark money get the Supreme Court justice out and in. But McCarthy, Tucker, and there's Nancy Pelosi showing us all what we know they do. They flip lies and then they get the media to print it and then it becomes their next conspiracy. Which is why this is all so frustrating. So, before we get into the beans and bullets of this episode, I gotta do our Commander-in-Chief segment, because how can I start a podcast without this bumbling idiot? You got to make sure that this becomes a voting issue. It's got to be one of those issues where you decide your position on the issue of senator or candidate for House or Senate on what we're going to do on us with assault weapons and how have to have, maybe they'll have 300 rounds in a magazine. And mag- I mean, what you say on those things is going to determine how I'm going to vote for you. You often get asked, look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. Not a joke. And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you got to send even... them to jail, uh, you know. <laughs> There's that little box in there. Directly to jail? Go <laughs> directly to jail. you got to make sure that this becomes a voting issue. It's got to be one of those issues where you decide your position on the issue of senator or candidate for House or Senate on what we're going to do on us with assault weapons and how have to have, maybe they'll have 300 rounds in a magazine. And mag- I mean, what you say on those things is going to determine how I'm going to vote for you. Oh, I'm serious. You turn on the TV, look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way, I mean, People are selling products. They do ads to sell products. And they sell products when people, they appeal to people. This generation is going to change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. We're going to make sure that everybody knows Exxon's profits. Why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. And by the way, nothing's changed. And they're not, by the way, one thing I want to say about the oil companies. They talk about how we have, they have 9,000 permits to drill. They're not drilling. Why aren't they drilling? Because they make more money not producing more oil. The price goes up, number one. And number two, the reason they're not drilling is they're buying back their own stock, which should be taxed, quite frankly, buying back their own stock and making no new investments. So, uh, I, uh, I always thought Republicans were for investment. Exxon, start investing, start paying your taxes. Thanks. I have to admit to you, a lot of us elected officials have been in office for a while. 
Every once in a while, something you learn makes you viscerally angry. Like if you had the person in front of you, you'd want to pop them. No, I really mean it. Some people hate the whataboutisms, but I got to say, if everything you just said, bopping people in the face, I mean, this would all be literal, literal under Trump. Just be literal. 100% literal. It would never be the end. There'd be 5,000 op-eds. We're losing our democracy. It's all in balance. La, 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 la. So, since I'm always sick and I got some good information yesterday, here's your FOP medical update. show I never really watched ER but I thought it was funny so yesterday I went for a uh, five-hour op- operation procedure in Vanderbilt the most interesting thing was that there were 20 of us doing the same thing getting an emptying session which really sucks you don't eat for 36 hours you get fed nuclear eggs and some bread and then they take five pictures in the first hour, and they're a minute long. And then you come back an hour later, and then you come back two hours later. So I was stuck in this hospital for a long time, and I'm a people person, so I just started talking. Almost every one of us had the same symptoms. Every one of us had Pfizer vaccinations. Every one of us had COVID. And then after it, the Pfizer vaccination, second shot, we had digestive issues. Some were like me, meat. Some of them were straight into it. The one that is most similar was a young kid, 24 years old. I'm 30 years older. He's lost 80 pounds. I've lost 90 pounds. Same symptoms, same period, except his started in October. Mine started in February. A million tests and nobody knows what's wrong with us. But every person got the vaccine and said after the second shot, they started having digestive issues. Once they got COVID, they had huge digestive issues. Now, yesterday was one of the best days I've had in four months. And I don't know what I did differently. I only had one incident. It was that when I ate the meal, because I was really, really hungry. And sometimes, um, sometimes... Hunger presents like hunger. Sometimes it presents like your stomach is doing hula hoops. Sometimes it presents as nausea. But I had hunger. And I had a hard time keeping it down because it wanted to come out. But then I had a great day. And then until I went to bed, I was fine. Then I could not get in a position where my stomach wasn't going bonkers. Just it's electric feeling. It's a spasmic feeling, blah, 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 blah. But by the end, they said I have zero symptoms of gastroparesis, which was my diagnosis and why I altered my whole eating to snacks. And it works, so I'll stick with it. And a lot of exercise. 
You know, this morning I did a 45-minute walk listening to Dale Jr.'s download with Jerry Merrifield. But the positives were, and that's why I'm doing this up front, I'm sure most of you that listen to it could give two fucks whether I live, die, or grow mushrooms in my crack. And I know I talk about it a lot, but I've never been like this. I've never been sick. I'm not a sick person. I've had injuries. I'm always dragging a limb ever since I hit 40. But when I woke yesterday, I was probably in the darkest place I've ever been in my life. Now, I'm not saying I had suicidal ideations. I was just really dark. Um, my next procedures are not till July 11th and there's no way for me to move forward because I can only be on a Monday because that's my doctor and there's three people ahead of me and they're not going to quit because they've been waiting for months and I'll get two more tests. It'll probably come up negative and they'll say there's nothing wrong with me, but something is. I thought about how I got taken out by a young girl who just got mad because she got told she did something bad. She left the front door open. I gave her a pass. She left the back doors open. I had a counselor. I had a boss who didn't give a fuck. He was happy to get rid of me. And I was stuck on this loop of thinking of all the things that have been negative since U.S. Cav left. From lightning strikes... I mean, I was just in a dark fucking place. And I don't talk about religion a lot on here. Um, I'm a God-fearing person. I pray. I don't go to church because I see them as money laundering operations, and I just never really got into it since I was a kid. Since my parents got divorced, it kind of ruined the whole church thing. But I think yesterday's whole endeavor, which turned out to give me no update and nothing to feel good about, because now I don't know what is going on. Woke up this morning so fucking nauseous. Just wanted to vomit at 3.30. Every day. I can make it from 8.30, 9 o'clock to 3.30 every day. And I'm nauseous. Just physically nauseous. Bowel pain. Just want to die. But I met people that were like me. And it makes you not feel alone. I've been walking this road going, I got this thing and doctors don't care. They don't give a fuck. They really don't. And unless they could find some test to say this is it, they're not going to help you at all. They just don't give a fuck. And the system's totally overloaded and broke. There were so many dying people in that hospital. Worse than me. I'm on my feet. I have periods every day that I don't feel that bad. If I'm standing, I feel great. That's why this new chair, because I'm upright. It makes me feel better. I say that to doctors, which means it's a positional thing, but, you know, unless you can do an endoscopy where they find your stomach up here, they're not going to call it what it is. It's probably a hernia, and that's what I have. And when it gets out of whack, I'm really sick, because all those symptoms, they all mirror IBS, ulcerative colitis, gastroparesis, Heidel hernia. They're all the same fucking shit. Nausea, heartburn, you want to fucking die. But there's so many worse people than me. And then I was stuck there. So I 
I I just didn't want to listen to podcast about what I was going to talk about because it makes me feel shitty that I don't do a podcast every day because it's not as oh shit not as you know current and my ideas and focal points mirror so many other conservatives. There's a million podcasts out there. I'm not any different than anybody else. Every once in a while, I might get a different argument, but most of the time, it's the same arguments that uh, Ben Shapiro's making. Hold on, let me talk to mom. She wanted a day out. She was looking for my ID card because she's going to get some medicine for me. Sorry about that. But um, I didn't want to listen to that stuff, so I listened to Dale Jr.'s download. And it was Jeremy Mayfield. I didn't know a lot about the guy, but by the time I was done with the first session, got into the second, finished most of it on my walk today, I realized my life is not that bad. It feels bad. I mean, it's never good to be taken down, lose your employment, be sick on top of it, economy shit. But I got disability and pension, and when pay my bills i still got enough to live on still got to go racing next saturday i i don't eat that much so food's not an issue it could be worse so i think god threw me into a situation that totally sucked yesterday because it sucked just sitting in a fucking hospital around dead people or dying people for four hours, but it woke me up that my illness sucks. It's not fun, but there are so many worse people than me, and my life sucks, but it's not as bad as other people. There's a lot of people out there got some really bad shit coming down. It's worse than I have to deal with. But the most disturbing thing and why I cover this is the Pfizer shot and how the system is completely broken. There are so many people in Vanderbilt Hospital, it's not even funny. And most of their symptoms are well exasperated, but they couldn't see a doctor. Some still can't see a doctor. I mean, it's absurd that I'm going to get a normal procedure, a pressure test, an acid test, that usually happens the week after you see your doctor, but it's going to happen six weeks after I see a doctor. Because they just got, they don't have enough people. And there's too many sick people because we didn't see people for two years. We did telephone medicine, which doesn't work. And nobody's going to get out there from the mainstream media and do any reporting on all the people that died with curable cancers, complications from COVID, things that should be routine medicine that just didn't get to, so they festered to a point that it's really bad. Probably me. The doxycycline fucked me up and gave me ulcers, but this is probably a COVID complication. If you do a Google source of our search of intestinal problems post-COVID, it's astounding. There's quite a bit out there. Some people get fucked up by it. I'm one of them. But we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to say that we did this all wrong. Not only do we destroy our economy, millions of people are gravely ill because we wouldn't see them during a pandemic of a virus with a very small death rate. We didn't 
we for politics, we shut it down. Because we wanted to link it to Trump. We want to get Trump out of office. I mean, think about the day after the inauguration. You didn't see death counters. It was just like Obama and Bush. We no longer saw the death rate in Afghanistan and Iraq. It just left the screen. So did COVID deaths. A man went on TV this week, and I don't know if I have the soundbite, and it was Ron Klain. I do have it. And well, let, let's play it. This is Ron Klain. This is a lie. You, a lot of things come to your desk that don't get um, all the airtime that you guys sometimes wish they did. What are those things? And, and is there, you know, are there updates on progress that's been made since Baby Formula and other things have been in the news that you want to share? Well, sure. I mean, I think also, obviously when the president got here, our first challenge was try to make progress on COVID. And between the vaccines, the boosters, and of course, our unprecedented rollout of Paxlovid, the anti-COVID drug, we've seen deaths drop 90% since he's been here. Schools are open, businesses are open. Uh, we, America feels more like itself again uh, since that, with, with all that work. And now we've got coming up in less than two weeks, uh, if all the approvals are finalized, uh, vaccines for kids, zero to five. We're gonna finish the vaccination and be the first major country in the world to give MNRA vaccines uh, to the youngest children among us. I think that's an important step forward. We inherited an economy that was dead in the water. Uh, 20 million Americans were relying on unemployment benefits to feed their families when we got here. That's down 95%. We've got the unemployment rate down to 3.6%, nearly a 50-year low. So we've solved the jobs problem. Look, that means we've got this big inflation problem, and we're tackling that now, too. That's the next big economic problem after COVID, after jobs. Now we have to beat inflation. The president has laid out a plan to do that. We're executing on that plan. We're going to make progress on the plan to bring prices down. So that's the progress we're making. We have, as you say, you know, problems every day at the White House. You worked here, Nicole. The nature <laughs> of working here is that every day someone walks in with a new problem. Uh, we're tackling those problems, getting the country uh, back to a better place, uh, building a stronger America. Ron, one last question. You know, there's a sense that nothing less than the future of our democracy, whether or not we remain a democracy is on the line. But there is a, a adjacent to that. That's a lie. More people have died under Biden than Trump from COVID. More people continue to die under Biden than COVID, than Trump from COVID. Let's put it together. That's a lie. It's been worse. Because the presidents can't really stop a fucking pandemic. But we blamed one we stopped covering under the other. And because the populace stopped caring about COVID, they then brought out a gay transmittable monkeypox shit, which is just not gay, but that's how it started. And we tried to fear monger some more. We've ruined a lot of things. trust in elections because your 80 voting law changes and zuck bucks all that happened because we hated one president and because we still hate him and we thinking to get people to the polls for the midterm here's january 6 i am politics the media jerk off of the week.
I'm Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6, 2021 committee. I was born, raised, and still live in Bolton, Mississippi, a town with a population of 521, which is midway between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi, and the Mississippi River. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions of the insurrectionists on January 6, 2021. I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. Any dissent is intolerable to them. Like, the, you know, one guy stands up, Joe Rogan, well, I'm not sure that that's right. Bam, let's destroy him. Like, what impulse is that? That's a totalitarian impulse, isn't it? Jeffrey, what do you think the committee promised to do last night? If you look at this maybe as an opening statement, now this wasn't a court case, yeah. but if you look at it as an opening statement, what did they tell us they were going to deliver over the next two weeks? Um, I would say uh, two things is the, is, the main, is, is the main goal here. One is showing that the president and everyone around him knew that he lost, that this was not an attempt to find the true result of the election. This was an attempt to overturn a result that they all knew had, had taken place. And second, that the president and the people around him encouraged the violence. That, and that's going to be, that we saw less proof of. Uh, but I think uh, the, the president's responsibility for the violence is going to be the biggest challenge so far. I thought they made a promising start, but they made a more promising start in proving that the president and his people knew that. The president responded with this sentiment. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. Shocking new evidence and harrowing testimony from the committee investigating the January 6th attack. Obviously, January 6th is a big story today. We got a lot to get to, including some important perspective on last night's historic primetime hearing. We'll get reaction from John Dickerson and from Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, who is on the committee. I think in a country right now where we have so many moments of outrage, so many things to pay attention to, it's going to take more than just one evening uh, to change minds. And you also have some number of people, whereas uh, uh, many Americans look at this and say Donald Trump went too far. There are a lot of Americans who think he didn't go far enough. So uh, where public opinion ends up on this question is, um, uh, is yet to be seen. But the, the thing that's most vital about this is this is not some event in the past. Well, history has been changed already because this happened. This is the first attack on the Capitol since 1814. Um, we've, we're learning new historical things like a vice president had to step in where a president wouldn't. Uh, uh, and, and I think one of the key things is understanding the central role the president played. You're absolutely right. Uh, democracy is not safe. There's amazing polling from the University of Chicago showing that something like 21 million Americans don't believe President Biden is a legitimately elected president. And this is the key thing, support the idea of violence in removing him. Do you think what you did last night spoke to that dangerous population? So last night was the first of six televised hearings from the January 6th committee, and they promised that they have the receipts that show that show Trump is to blame. Okay, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland listen, promises he'll watch 
quote unquote, as much as he is able. Isn't this his job? What other job does this guy have, I'd like to know? And when is he going to do something? Then he'll decide after he watches the whole thing whether or not to arrest him for trying to overthrow the government. Now, I mean, that, is a that scares me. This is like a Mueller moment. Remember, we're all excited yes. about Mueller and then nothing. Uh, Anna, is he going to go to jail, Trump? Anybody know the answer? Listen, I, don't, I think people have uh, very, little, very little trust right now in, uh, in the system. I don't think it's going to move the needle at all with Trump supporters, and that's not the point. To me, there's two points of this. One is history, right? History will not whitewash or erase what happened on January 6th. Donald Trump, no matter how much people try to change the narrative, is going to go down in the annals of American history with the names the of Benedict Arnold and Richard Nixon. He is a traitor. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. and, and look, we've had, all, we've had all these indictments so far, but the people who've been indicted have, were the, the cavalry. The generals have not yet been indicted. And so what I hope is that as this uh, committee goes through the case, and Liz Cheney did an excellent job yesterday laying out the case. Seven different steps of things that Donald Trump did. She was speaking legal jargon. She was speaking to Merrick Garland, mm -hmm. who better get off his right. duff That's right. and yeah. do something about this because we cannot... Powerful testimony at the primetime hearing at the January 6th committee makes its case. Carnage at the Capitol. I was slipping in people's blood. It was carnage. It was chaos. Never before seen video and testimony from Trump's inner circle. We do want to get right to last night's high stakes primetime hearing on the January 6th attack on the Capitol with emotional testimony from a Capitol police officer and graphic video of the violence and chaos, much of it never seen by the public before. There were significant new material, Annie, but I think what struck, what the most important thing is the way the committee tied the horror of that day to Donald Trump. And perhaps the single most important moment uh, for me that struck out was when you saw one of the rioters, in footage we've never seen before, reading Donald Trump's tweet through a bullhorn, the one where he said Mike Pence didn't have the courage. And you see how that reading of the tweet led directly to the rioters chanting, hang Mike Pence, and going in search of Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. And then you, you hear the testimony or the summary of the testimony uh, that Donald Trump was heard in the White House uh, saying that the rioters had the right idea and that Pence deserved it. Really powerful. Let's say one other thing, Amy. Uh, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney did this with calmly, without vitriol, without excess emotion. This is her moment. She has treated this like the cause of her life. And she has issued a challenge to Republicans. Uh, when, when she went out and said, uh, that there will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. That was her message. Claire, I'm not sure what network he was watching, but I am 100% sure Mitch McConnell was tuned in. What's he thinking tonight? He's no friend of Donald Trump's. No, he can't stand Donald Trump. Hates him. He's worried about Donald Trump's candidates winning Republican primaries, which makes it harder for him to take back power. But you know what he's thinking tonight? Boy, I sure hope gas prices stay really high. That's what he's thinking. Because he really wants to distract the American public from the reality of what we saw tonight. 
and how complicit they all are in allowing Trump to remain in this lock grip position of power within their party. And I think he's hoping that the high gas prices and the inflationary pressures in our economy will be enough to make people forget and That's just sick. want to change out the deficit. Well, it's politics. And do you think it's successful? Take me to, I know we're out of time, but I have to take me to Missouri. Take me to Missouri. That's your state tonight. Not people who are hard red or hard blue. Take me to your average family in Missouri. Are they watching? Well, first of all, it, the, uh, uh, no, most of them aren't because my state has become very, very trumped. Um, it is a, a very, he's a very popular guy in Missouri. The vast majority of Republicans call themselves Trump Republicans in Missouri. So most of them were not watching and most of them would tell you with a straight face that the election was stolen and Donald Trump won it. We try to figure out if there are signs we can see to stop the next attack from happening. Where to begin there next week, by the Where way, Joe Marks. Oh my God. It, five years begin? next week, Joe. Uh, Scalise was critically injured, almost died in a mass shooting during practice for the congressional baseball game. But so we've heard prairie dogs and we've heard varmints and we've heard feral pigs and we've heard what about Hunter Biden? And now we have, well, why didn't we ban planes after 9-11? Where, why, just, this is unspeakably stupid. We heard from Scalise yesterday is further Republican fog machine, just trying to deflect, trying to distract. They, they're certainly pulling. Barnacle, we always hear the same thing from Republicans. They always lie. They always say, oh, there's nothing that could have been done to stop this, or there's nothing that could have been done that stop, or the big lie. If you want to know what the big lie in the gun debate is, it's that they're trying to destroy the Second Amendment. Nothing is being done that is trying to destroy the Second Amendment. If you look at the Second Amendment as interpreted by Heller, you basically have Scalia and the rest of the court saying, you have a right to keep a handgun in your house and a shotgun. That's basically what it says. Maybe that gets expanded with this New York City case, but we don't know until the New York City case goes down. But, but it's just one lie after another lie after another lie and like lemmings going off the cliff while, while our children are being slaughtered in classrooms, while parishioners are being slaughtered in churches and synagogues, they just, like idiots, repeat the words given to them by the NRA. I want to start with hearing Officer Edwards yeah. and what that was. How did you handle that and what was yeah. it like to hear all that? I thought it was one of the most powerful moments of the evening, um, you know, when she described particularly that she was not combat trained, that she was trained to detain a couple of people, to manage crowds, but she was not combat trained, and then described the detail of, you know, slipping in people's blood and catching people as they fall. And, you know, right, right after the break, um, I actually, or maybe it was right before the break, I actually saw Harry Dunn and some of the other officers and we hugged and we were all crying. I mean, look, it was a very emotional day because it was reliving everything. And it wasn't just our lives that we feared for. Mm -hmm. It was really the shock all over again of this is happening in our capital. This is happening in the seat of the greatest democracy in the world. And this is how close we came to losing our democracy. So I, I think it was important that we were there. I went with, um, uh, you know, we had, I started a group called the Gallery Group right after January 6th. We were all trapped in the gallery. 
um, we couldn't get out. And um, uh, even when other members were evacuated from the floor, we were still there. On screen, you see eight boxes, which are eight different TV channels, taking the Nancy Pelosi feed unfiltered. Now, if any time in your life you've ever made fun of totalitarian regimes that, you know, broadcast lies into the homes of the population that they can't turn off, take a look at that. It's happening right now. Meanwhile, gas is over five bucks. Inflation is higher than it's been in the lifetime of most Americans. Violent crime is making cities impossible to live in, and more than 100,000 Americans OD'd on drugs last year. Why isn't there a primetime hearing about any of that? What a fucking kabuki theater. I mean, just a kabuki fucking theater in that you saw it's about racism. Got to get the KKK in. Liz Cheney just burning her. I mean, she thinks she's going to get nobody's going to elect her. The left loves you, but they're not going to love you when you're trying to run like a lefty. The recount showing, oh, Fox News didn't show it. CNN, it's so great. Everything's great. I got a little tuck in there. I mean... It wasn't great. Look at the fucking numbers. They got eaten a fucking live. That is 5% of the country. They didn't even get what they usually get for the evening news. And Joe Concha, I'm not going to read it because you probably already saw it. Then you get over to the fucking big boys. Fox still beat them. They're criticizing the Fox didn't go to commercials and Fox did this and Fox did that and blah, 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 blah. Get the fuck out of here. That was scripted teleprompter fucking bullshit. I mean, just fucking bullshit. I was, I, I, I tuned in for a little bit and come on, man. You, you can't do that stuff. You can't do that stuff. That This is the stuff we're talking about. This is the stuff that makes people mega. They arrested the only person running against Lori, uh, a fucking uh, cock-sucking piece of shit up in Michigan. Because he was at the Capitol. They made sure they perp-walked him. They perp-walked one of Trump's people. You and... Man, do you remember Benghazi? Do you remember what Benghazi was like? It didn't get primetime. It didn't get swooped up and produced by ABC. It didn't get any of this shit. It didn't. But it had both parties in it. Not one. It wasn't from teleprompters with little videos and shit. Man, that was Soviet. It was Soviet shit. I was just astounded. And we remember, we all remember Floyd. We watched it. We remembered Schumer. We remembered it. But here's a reminder of the reminder of the remember. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. It appears as though at least a couple yeah. of Secret Service officers, one of them just got hurt. You can see him walking back there clutching his head. 
Um, and we don't know whether that was bricks or firecrackers or what happened. We weren't mm -hmm. able to see what happened. He's not one of the ones wearing the riot shields, but uh, as this gets later into the evening, uh, we can imagine that the tolerance for officers uh, getting hurt out here uh, and where this crosses from a peaceful yet vocal protest, which is what it was earlier and perhaps unruly, uh, to actually violent. Uh, if it hasn't been crossed, it's about to be crossed right now. And you can see this running. Uh, we've still got a couple of Secret Service riot police here. But that, now they've fanned out. And it's pretty incredible how much of this bicycle barricade that, as we showed you, is reinforced with handcuffs, padlocks, bicycle locks have been broken down, Shannon. Okay. Um, Leland, uh, keep us updated. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. And our national lead Republicans are accusing Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of threatening the two conservative Supreme Court justices who heard a controversial abortion case this morning. Schumer's spokesman says that Senator Schumer was just talking about political blowback for Republicans. All of this bigger picture is over the debate about whether Louisiana can require doctors who perform abortions to have to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals. Advocates for the law say it's meant to increase public safety. Critics say it is a thinly veiled attempt to restrict abortion. And if the Louisiana law takes effect, only one doctor in the state would be able to perform abortions. I'm joined now by CNN's Joan Biskupic. Joan, four years ago, the Supreme Court struck down a similar law in Texas. Um, Back then, Justice Kennedy was on the court. He voted with the liberal uh, majority. Um, so why are they hearing the case now? Is it just because Kennedy's been replaced uh, by a more conservative justice? Well, that's certainly the backdrop, but what brought it up immediately was the fact that a regional appeals court upheld the Louisiana law, minimizing the Supreme Court's 2016 decision in the Texas case, which involved a very similar law. So the justices essentially had to take this case uh, they could have summarily reversed what the Fifth Circuit did, but instead they took it up. And certainly, as you saw from the atmosphere at the Supreme Court today, both sides are very anxious about what will happen with these two new Trump appointees. And the main discussion that went on in the courtroom over an hour worth of oral arguments was how different could this Louisiana law possibly be from Texas? And will the Supreme Court be in any kind of position to suddenly undermine its precedent from just four years ago and uphold this law. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of the Louisiana law, does that set a table for a situation where basically states will be able to restrict and regulate abortion to the degree that it is essentially illegal or almost illegal, undermining Roe v. Wade? Okay, it would undermine Roe v. Wade, which is the 1973 landmark that made abortion legal nationwide and undermine the 1992 case that reaffirmed that. But, just so our viewers don't get the wrong idea, abortion will not suddenly be illegal nationwide. But this will be an invitation to more state regulations. And right now, the regulations we're talking about are on physicians and on clinics. What could happen is that states might try more ban type uh, regulations that would outlaw abortion at certain points, and that would become the ultimate test of Roe v. Wade. 
Right now, what's at stake is sort of access, especially for poor women and women in rural areas who would have to travel so far to find a physician who would meet the kind of cr criteria we're talking about uh, in this Louisiana law. So it, it has real world consequences, but it's not going to uh, immediately overturn Roe v. Wade. And as you, you know well, Jake, it's going to come down to Chief Justice John Roberts. Once Anthony Kennedy left the court mm -hmm. in 2018, that middle position on abortion is the chief. And this thread by Larry Kerr, whatever the fuck his name is, pretty much sums what I think. The ugly truth the Beltway can't grasp is it isn't regular Americans don't care about January 6th, is that they hate you for making their lives miserable. So when they saw you cowering, they thought, good, now they know what it's like to be afraid. The government fucked over regular America with COVID, all to get Trump out of office. Then let cities burn because Democrats were having a tantrum. Then let half of them feeling cheated and disenfranchised. And you're shocked none of them give a shit when you polls government got temporarily discomfort for one day. They hated you a year and a half ago. Now you're fucked economy. Their money is worthless. They can't buy gas or food. And you're shocked that they don't give a shit about your pathetic Soviet show trial crying about how you felt scared one day. Where was the big public trial about the abysmal fuck-up in Afghanistan? So many Americans wasted time, money, and lives on. I'm one of them. Where was the big public trial on the hundred other Biden fuck-ups? Where, where, was, where was Hunter Biden's? Where was, why did you change 80 voting laws? Where was Zuckbucks? Zuckbucks. Facebook running polls. Where was... What the fuck is a suitcase being counted in Fulton County? Ballot stuffing. Where were those polls? If you want a government that everybody trusts, it can't just be the left gets theirs prime time with ABC and produce shit with Tom Hanks talking and shit, which they get for all their campaigns. You, you, you just can't have two forms of justice. You can't say January 6th is the worst and then allow all the violence that happened during George Floyd, the attacks on Trump's inaugural, Bush's inaugural. You can't say you can't question an election when all you cocksuckers question every election in my, my lifetime when a Republican won. Every fucking one you have questioned. And then you put those people on committees. You can't have a real committee with the opposing party not present and you only pick two people who are an anti-Trump Democrats who are Republican and are trying to change their career path. And think America's going to tune in. The best part is they said, oh, we're going to have so much, it's going to be bombshells. The bombshells we saw is Schumer had intel. Pelosi had intel. The bombshells are you won't show the videos of cops opening doors and let people just walk through. The bombshell is you have imprisoned people for over 18 months for walking in the Capitol, but the fire bombers just got lenient seconds sentences. That's what Americans sing. And then you have this. You have, you're going to get the whirlwind, and then the fucking whirlwind comes, and you don't even fucking cover it.
Okay, we're running. We're running. We're running. Oh my god. All right, so boom, I'm gonna try to tell you all the unanimous consent story from earlier today where you saw me running up the Capitol steps to stop the bad things from happening. So today is a flyout day. Cool, awesome flyout days where members of Congress return to their communities, do community events, town halls, etc. We have the Puerto Rican Day Parade on Sunday, for example. But flyout days are also days of maximum hijinks from party leadership, both Democratic and Republican party leadership. And the reason for that is that everyone's in a rush to get home so they can force deeply unpopular things to happen. Now, I wake up this morning and I start to hear murmurs that there's going to be an attempt to pass the Supreme Court Supplemental Protection Bill. The day after gun safety legislation for schools and kids and people uh, uh, is stalled. Oh, so we can pass protections for us and, and here easily, right? But we can't pass protections for everyday people? I think not. So I'm going to need a roll call vote on that because not only are you going to try to pass it, they're trying to pass it by unanimous consent so that it can slip on by with no one's name put on it. And that's not what unanimous consent is for. Unanimous consent is not to pass things quickly, to hide and prevent a, a politically difficult moment. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Put our name on it. Vamos. Put it on the floor. Uh, very little detail at this point, Kate, other than to say uh, it's an, uh, this man is, uh, he's an adult man from California. We don't yet know what the nature of the threat was. We don't know what language the threat was uh, or what kind of weapon this man might have had, uh, if he had one at all, uh, because the information at this point uh, is just so thin. But Kate, this, this certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm, alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. Uh, so certainly this case, uh, you know, really solidifying what federal officials have been warning about. People are angry. They might seek to use the abortion ruling as a justification to cause violence. And that puts these Supreme Court justices, their staff and other members uh, of this, the judiciary, especially. And there have been no uprisings. People haven't taken to the streets except for locally. So I hope there will be a national uprising, but I'm concerned that the stomach for that isn't there. Hmm. Protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses, particularly Justice Kavanaugh. Um, where do you think that line is? I think for a lot of people, the, a conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. It's I've so funny. So does what uh, Alito wrote. Looks the same way to me. Looks like intimidation. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, it's kind of the same thing. But it, it also sh uh, shows Alito what it feels like to lose your freedom of choice. He cannot leave the house easily. So maybe that's a good lesson for them. Well, and I will say... In my civilest way possible, may I humbly request that you f the f off 
How dare Republicans demand civility as they strip away our civil rights? When Susan Collins gets a sidewalk full of bubble letter chuck, she is not the victim. When Amy Coney Barrett's tacky-ass McMansion is visited by a pack of roaming handmaids, she is not the victim. The real victims in this atrocity of a court decision will be the people who live in the more than 20 states that would ban abortion after Roe. In the day's other news, a California man was charged with attempted murder after being arrested near the Maryland home of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. A criminal complaint said Nicholas Roski had a gun and a knife and threatened to kill Kavanaugh, partly over an impending abortion decision. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland vowed a tough response. This kind of behavior is obviously is behavior that we will not tolerate. Threats of violence and actual violence against the justices, of course, strike at the heart of our democracy. We will do everything we can to prevent them and to hold people who do them accountable. The justices have increased round-the-clock security since a draft abortion rights opinion leaked. It indicated the court could reverse the landmark Roe versus Wade decision. Is that the House, uh, uh, that's, um, what's his face, McConnell, um, he's demanding that the House pass security protections for Supreme Court justices, quote unquote, before the sun sets today. Well, they have they have protections. But you know what? I yeah, absolutely but, but, yeah. but they have nothing on Evaldo of all day so far, and nothing on Buffalo. And it's been at least a month and a half since Buffalo or something, it's been and it's two weeks since these kids got killed. But that's you know but he's worried about you know the Supreme right. Court. That is his urgency. This, and what I want to know is how come they the reaction is immediately immediate call for legislation. That's what I but just said. But our children get yes. thoughts and prayers. Yes. Yeah. They were Republicans and, and thoughts uh, and prayers and mental health. The, what, right. You know, where's the conversation there? Listen, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. None of us should be doing it. That's the bottom line. So y'all stop doing it. We'll stop doing it. We'll encourage people to find a better way to communicate. This is ridiculous. But, but the thing is, Mitch McConnell is being really intellectually dishonest because if you look but at that's the not letter, new. If you, but if you're, <laughs> that's true. That, well, that's He's a filthy liar. But the bottom line is, if you look at the, if you listen to what this young man who is clearly troubled um, said to the police, mm -hmm. he said that the reason that he showed up at Justice Kavanaugh's home is because he was upset about the leak, the mm -hmm. Supreme Court opinions um, leak, not about what what Schumer said two years ago. Well, okay, so something. so he's politicizing. They gotta pull something out. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about. Uh, protests that have been peaceful to date, and we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. For years, they've been saying that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that the police paddy wagons are going to show up and arrest every woman in sight. Now they're saying that Roe v. Wade, if it's overturned, is going to kill women. And now you have this person who said, I will, I will have a life's purpose by killing somebody that they think is so evil. What if, what if Kavanaugh was not even going to, what if you voted the other way? They don't know. They are so <laughs> stupid, right? It's, just, it's absolutely absurd. And I um, I, I felt a little emotional about it because I, I know Brett Kavanaugh for a long time. One of my dearest friends when I worked in the White House and his wife, Ashley, is lovely. And he has two daughters. Right. Do his daughters deserve this? Do they deserve to go to school and have to deal with the fact that, that somebody was going to sneak into their home and kill them? Yeah. And if you don't do something about it tonight, you're complicit. Yes. That's it. There are no sound bites. You saw CNN both sides. How could this fucking be both sides? There's no pro-lifers. There are no pro-lifers going after fucking Kagan and Sotomayor and Keegan. 
Folks, if this was the opposite, oh my fucking God. You got the New York Times calling out and say it's fucking good. They put it on page 20. Page fucking 20. Page 20. I don't have this guy's stuff. The full answer from one of Jen's hundreds of briefings. She said we encourage protesters. Then they came out and said she never said it. Factcheck.org and PolitiFact said, oh, she never said it. She fucking said it. Emotions on both sides. Nobody's firebombing PPFA. That happened in the motherfucking 70s. Four emergency pregnancy support centers have been firebombed. Churches have been vandalized. I'm doing the liberal clap on Twitter. Do you... Because you're all digital. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's no pro-lifers doing that shit. Man with weapon detained near Brett Kavanaugh's home. He allegedly told police he wanted to kill the Supreme Court. That's it. Two people familiar with investigations said the initial evidence indicates the man was angry about the leaked draft, the opinion of the SCOTUS. Oh, no shit. And then we spent... The whole week talking about the Proud Boys and Boogaloo and Kuanon and all the things that made the Never Trumpers freak the fuck out. Earlier today, Ruth Senna's website, where the group docked Supreme Court justice last month, went down. Minutes ago, the group tweeted a WAPO story about a man arrested near Kavanaugh's house. We are committed to nonviolence. We are committed to nonviolence, but we put out the fucking address and pushed it. Dick Durbin. Oh, this is about Ruth Sennis. They sent it. I guess I didn't get the Ruth, the Dick Durbin. Durbin on man arrested. Violence is never acceptable wherever it turns up on the political spectrum. We held a hearing yesterday on domestic terrorism. It is a manifestizing threat to the United States. Gotta take it seriously. But you don't. You both sides it. We are still looking for the white supremacy that is taking over everything. I can't find them. Nobody knows them. Can somebody help us out? Ruth sent it. They, they sent her. They published the address. This is your group. Reuters is so freaked out. Correction, pro-choice protesters briefly interrupt uh, WNBA. We deleted a previous tweet that called them pro-abortion. Why can't you say it's pro-abortion? Why? It's what you are. I, I, I can't even. This is one of the Ruth sent us. They retweeted this. Say the California man with the weapon threat was successful. Would the assassination of the Republican to vote for gun safety or not? That's that's what they said. That's that's okay. This is one of their this is one of their groups. Those are good people. We're not going to have hearing. They were trying to. What about it? 
Then they go after the kids. We offer thoughts and prayers for Brett and Ashley Kavanaugh to California man rabbi taxing to their home armed with a gun and knife, then called the police on himself to confess his murderous rage against the abuse of alcoholic justice. We didn't send him. A special message for Ashley Kavanaugh and your daughters. This billboard was on your school grounds. We feel for you. Leader McConnell and GOP aren't worried for your safety. They were only over for the expensive Supreme Court they'd rigged and their own power, and they're going after the kids. They went after their church. There will be no hearings about Ruth sent us. There'll be nothing. Nobody will care. PolitiFact won't do a PolitiFact on that. Then you have this. To my friends in the LGBT community, the Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call to arms. There is so much we're going to fight. I can play it again. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're fighting. We're fighting. We're just going to fight the fight with the fight. Five questions. There must be answered before the J6 committee and theatrical production. It was never covered, and it's out of order. USA Today had nothing on the Kavanaugh guy. wasn't in their paper. Morning Network spent over three more times on the January 6th thing because they didn't want it to touch it. Can't touch it. Don't you touch it. Nancy Pelosi, who is stopping a bill to strengthen the law that's already there that says you can't protest by a fucking judge's house, but you can if you're a Democrat, because that's our two forms of justice we have now. It used to be supposedly all blacks went to jail just because they're black. Now you're a Republican, you go to fucking jail. But if you're a Democrat, you can go murder motherfuckers and get away with it. But she stopped it because they want the staff protected more because they love the staff now is out of that shit. And this was her response. The justices are protected when there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life. You said the justices are protected, but there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life. It's protected. The justices are protected. This issue is not about the justices. It's about the staff and the rest. The justices are protected. You saw the Attorney General even double down on that. But this is about security for the justices. An armed man showed up near Justice Kavanaugh's house to try to... We're working together on a bill that the Senate will be able to approve of. Because that's what we can pass whatever we want here. We want it to be able to pass the Senate. So I don't know what we're talking about because evidently you haven't seen what the debate is. And not debate, but what the language is. There will be a bill, but nobody is in danger over the weekend because of our not having a bill. What happens if McConnell says that? Huh? I'm thinking it's not it's not gonna go well. I mean, could just be me, but I don't think it's gonna go well. And and they literally can't stop while all this is happening. We want to take your fucking guns. Most AR-15 owners are former military, okay. 35 plus Let me say married. one more thing. So that's all I'm saying okay. is that they're yeah. not once, crazy once, people. Okay. Here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me.
What is the piece of gun legislation, practical gun legislation, one thing, and you, you pick it, I'm not going to plant any seeds here, that could have a big impact on the, on the streets of St. Louis? Oh, my. Getting rid of uh, high capacity weapons and weapons of war, I think, is a start mm -hmm. um, because everybody has access to an AR-15 um, and that's a weapon of war. Those, those should be used uh, uh, in war, not in everyday uh, circumstances. Uh, and I think if we can get rid of weapons of war off our streets, that would be a, a huge step forward. It sounds like your police officers are telling you they feel outgunned at times. They absolutely do. I mean, uh, it, actually, you know, when people have access to the same weapons that our officers do, then then nobody is safe. And that's I mean, that that to me, you know, I hear this individually from police officers, but collectively you don't hear this as much. Um, is this something you wish more police officers would speak out saying, hey, you know, I, you know, look, I, I believe in the Second Amendment, too. However, this is no way to keep a society uh, free uh, for a right to, as, as somebody wrote, uh, to pursue happiness. Right. The, the Second Amendment has, has been misinterpreted uh, in recent years to mean that everybody should have access to a gun. And there and we all know that the Second Amendment, the, the, the reason the framers wrote that was because of uh, uh, to have a well-regulated militia. Uh, pe individual people are not a well-regulated militia. So uh, so it does, the Second Amendment does not mean that everybody should have access to firearms. And, you know, the background check issue is huge here, too, especially in issues of domestic violence. Um, and so we have to do something. I, I, I am uh, cautiously optimistic that Congress will act, but unfortunately we've seen this story before. Uh, I'm curious, school security, school safety, what is what is something specific that the feds could help you with? In my state, they use them to shoot prairie dogs and, you know, other types of varmints. And so I think that there are legitimate reasons why people would want to have them. Oh, my God. Feral pigs, prairie dogs, raccoons, oh my God. foxes yeah. are the justification given. Well, I mean, uh, uh, prairie dogs, AR-15s on pra weapons so like to blow of them up? war against prairie dogs. It would disintegrate a pra prairie dog. Maybe foxes. landmines in South Dakota feral, as well. Feral pigs, yeah. Why don't just a few of those and watch the prairie dogs blow up. And to the senators that say that it's important to have the need to blow up prairie dogs and pigs. Jeez. Why shouldn't my constituents still be able to use that gun to shoot a pig uh, or varmints? I guess varmints, prairie dogs. Give me a break. Prairie dog would disintegrate. They're talking about feral pigs and prairie dogs. It's it's disgraceful. They wanted to protect their constituents rights to shoot prairie dogs and varmints. Yeah, uh, you can shoot a prairie dog with a shotgun. You don't need an AR-15 to vaporize a family of prairie dogs. That's just a fact for anybody who knows about guns and how to control their land. But that was so stark yesterday, Joe, that something about the term prairie dogs. I've got to protect the right to vaporize prairie dogs. And that's why you hear about things like prairie dogs.
You think those guns need to be used for prairie dogs and varmints? These weapons of war that John Thune says need to be used on prairie dogs? They would turn and say, but we... I hope so. Uh, I hope so, Congressman. But in, in, instead of talking about process, I just want to talk about sort of so I understand. Talking about all, everything you're talking about, about the troubled kid, but not talking about guns, to me, is like t mothers against drunk driving talking about everything except the car. It's the combination. You can't let the troubled teenager get a gun. Why would, an, why would answer me this, an 18-year-old need an AR-15? Well, look, that is a discussion that perhaps we could we could have had. But on the House side, the way the legislation is constructed, uh, Thomas Massey in, in the Rules Committee yesterday pointed out that he suggested that maybe if we were willing to reconsider the age of, of selective service registration, mm -hmm. that he might have, he might be willing to have that discussion. Are you willing to? No, are you open? No Richard, but I'm just asking your opinion. Well, are you willing to raise the age to 29? I, I think this is one of those areas that deserves more study. We know for a fact that uh, uh, <clears throat> we know for a fact that there are there are people who who, who do feel that way. But on the other hand, but, when you look what, at but what in, about you, in, Congressman? I mean, why can't you answer that? How do you feel about that? Me personally, I, I don't think that's a direction that uh, that is reasonable to go. The Ninth Circuit has already ruled against that. Uh, but, but there. But why does an 18-year-old need access let's to an AR-15? Let's have the discussion. I mean, that's, I'm willing to do that. But uh, again, on the House side, all of that all of that debate was simply foreclosed. I once went with my husband to uh, a um, gun show. Mm -hmm. He said, "Mad, you talk so much about the gun show loophole. We need to go to one." Mm -hmm. And so we went in Oaks, Pennsylvania. And guess what? There we saw a display of AR-style weapons, assault-style weapons, and three young people walking by. And guess what one said to the other? One young man, they're probably 20s, one young man said to the other, boy, I'd like to have one of those weapons. Knowing he was a prohibited purchaser, his buddy said, I could buy it and just say we sold it privately. That is a loophole in our background check system that is literally leased. Most of that's a fucking lie. I love the shot chaser, the view. Black people get guns, they want to do gun laws, and there's a bunch of black people running around shooting each other in Chicago, but I don't know where she's from. MSNBC, it's stupid to do it. We don't need to give them anything more. Blah, 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 blah. They didn't even cover it. Federalists, Democrats just don't just fail to apologize for violence. They push their agenda... They actively incite it. They, they constantly are. Constantly. Bill fucking Maher called out the New York Times. That's, I will agree with you that it's, to you me, really that's more, clap for that. to me it's, it's more of a case of media bias. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you hadn't seen the story, somebody came to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Yes, two days and, ago. Okay, and I'm, I'm even with you on this one. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, they stopped him, okay, but he was, he's from California, 
Uh, he could have been inspired by uh, yeah, Chuck Schumer said some very inflammatory words, the kind of thing that people on the right say, and then there's a horrible shooting and they blame it. It, it right. is rather comparable. Right. And Chuck Schumer Scary. did walk it back. Nobody on the right ever does mm. that. He did. I saw this. No, he did. He said, look, we from Brooklyn, we speak too strongly. He said something about how, oh, you know, uh, Brett, they were talking about Brett. This guy was upset that Brett Kavanaugh is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. OK. Yeah. And, interesting, upset about that he wasn't doing enough for gun control and then shows up with guns to kill him. Exactly. So, again, cuckoo people do cuckoo things. Okay. The point is, I think your point, and I, the point I would agree with is, the New York Times buried this. Yeah, it was like if a this tiny had been thing a, below the fold. If this had been a liberal Supreme Court justice that someone came to kill, it would, have been on the, it would have been on the front page. And that's what's so disappointing about a paper like the New York Times because they just wear their bias on their sleeves and they if it's not part of something that feeds our narrative fuck it and we bury it. in my lifetime it's always the left from the baseball shooter to the fucking dim underground to or the weather underground to every fucking election that a republican has uh fucking uh the WHO, not the world, but the, uh, what was that? Op, uh, the fucking one where they all. God, I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about. It was the financial one where they had rape tents. To. Fucking Rodney King. I mean, name a time. That there hasn't been some kind of violence from the left. Just name a time. I don't know of any times. I I just don't. It, it has been always this. We've had nothing but problems. We have nothing but them going after their agenda by attacking verbally, saying things that you couldn't say of your Republican, and getting away with it. It is just unfucking believable. And this picture I have right here, that shows that their little fucking bullshit truth misinformation board, they... Really, 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 we're going to go all in. But they have to do this. There's tampon shortages, for fuck's sake. That'd be sexist. Chelsea Bolden was fucking taking the fuck out. And this letter here, I guess I should say, Grassley got a hold of it. And it literally, I mean, it was their agenda. They can't win, so this is how they do it. And most of the media um, really don't want to cover what's going on because if they did, it would hurt the Dems. So they're covering Fox like this fucking potato head. 
So tonight's presentation will be a made-for-TV event. But how do lawmakers know how to produce a primetime TV program? Joining us now is CNN chief media correspondent Brian Stelter. Brian, how are they doing this? Well, this has to be the opposite of a usual congressional hearing because even on C-SPAN, those can put people to sleep. You think about the typical congressional hearing where lawmakers are up there giving their own speeches, just wanting to have their own uh, voices heard, not actually trying to get information to the public. This has to be the opposite. And one of the ways this will be judged is whether it is the opposite of a usual congressional hearing. But we know that they are doing several things differently. As Ryan mentioned, using video clips, bringing in evidence on video, and also enlisting James Goldson, a former head of ABC News, to help advise the hearing members on how to produce this and make this an effective show, so to speak. It is highly unusual for all of the major networks to agree to carry a congressional hearing in prime time. Of course, this will be live on CNN uh, and on MSNBC, but also on NBC, ABC, CBS. Other local stations and broadcast areas may decide to carry this. This will be seen almost everywhere, except, of course, for the right-wing media bubble. Fox News notably saying it will not carry the hearings in full. Here's a part of the statement saying that Fox's primetime shows will cover the hearings, quote, as news warrants. Those are weasel words because, of course, the entire hearing is a news event. It is a major news event. But I, I think it's important to say the average American who doesn't care that much about politics, who doesn't watch uh, uh, the news every night, they might actually tune in and see this in a new way, right? Because if you're, if you're a more casual news consumer that hasn't been paying attention to the daily details that have dribbled out for months, you may tune in tonight and in the coming days and find out a lot of new developments you were not aware of. And that may be why these hearings matter. It's a convening moment for the country, and it may matter for that reason. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they matter for history, but I, th I take your point that it's one stop that it's one-stop shopping. Yes. And that's, yeah. that is, you know, much, that's helpful uh, rather than having to watch every single day the little pieces. But what yeah. you're saying, I think, is that the news networks will be covering it. The news networks will be covering it. And the entertainment channels that promote Trump's, uh, Trump's agenda. That's what they covered. They're not covering everything else. Here's actual uh, Wayne Shriver, blue check. The world be better place at the event of the ball field that ended differently. Not taken down. Nobody fucking cared. Just went on. Uh, we can be free, but only if we regulate guns, just as the Second Amendment tells us. All these articles, they're never stopping. Then this happened. Ron Rivera spoke like the rest of us, and he got fined for it. You want to talk about it? I'd talk about it with anybody. Yeah, no problem. I, at any time. But, uh, but they're not. I'm just expressing myself. And uh, I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question. Really, did I? Let's get right down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things if we're going to talk about it? Why are we not looking into those things? Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it. I see the images on TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Well, there's no, nothing burned down. And we're not going to talk about We're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard, and we're going to be reasonable with each other. Let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. We're Americans. Let's talk it through. I'm for I'm for us, you know, 
having a great opportunity to have a fulfilled life. Uh, like I said, every way, every which way I can, when I'm here, it's about love and respect. Del Rio is a football coach. He's defensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, formerly known as the Redskins, Tell for some reason that was unacceptable. So a few days ago, Del Rio pointed out that nobody seems to talk about the BLM riots anymore and said they're pretending to care about January 6th. Well, he was attacked for this because you're not allowed to like tell the truth at any level whatsoever. So he came back and said he stood by his comments. Here's what he said. I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question, really. Did I? Let's get right down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things? Oh, he thought he had a right to respectfully express himself in the land of the free. But it turns out, no. Just hours ago, the coach of the Washington Commanders, a fascist moron called Ron Rivera, announced that Jack Del Rio has no right to talk and he's being fined $100,000 for doing it. Rivera began by claiming that, quote, lives were lost on January 6th, which is a lie. Then he continued this way, quote, our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th who sought to topple our government, end quote. If you can think of a line more filled with cant, dishonesty, and propaganda than that, send us a text and tell us what it is, because we can't. I mean, that's just flat out Maoist. Basically, what he's saying is, shut up. You're no longer allowed to talk. If you disagree with the orthodoxy, you will be punished. This is an NFL team, and it's happening everywhere. It's fucking fascist. It's just fascist as fuck and they can get away with it. That this is the world we live in. It's fucking fascist over and over and over. All we have is this fascist shit. And it just astounds me that it's okay. I mean, this week, here's two, three sound bites. I'm going to play Mojo, GOP likes inflation, and CNN. Same concept. The GOP wants all this bad stuff. Now to this morning's breaking economic news, and it is bad news. The May Consumer Price Index shows prices jumped 8.6% compared to this time last year. It's on par with what we've seen over the last few months, but worse than economists expected now inflation at a 40-year high. Joining us now, NBC News senior business analyst, host of MSNBC's The 11th Hour, Stephanie Rule. So, Steph, let's go through these numbers. They are devastating. I mean, if you They're look at good. groceries and rent and gas and all the way down the line, in some of these categories, the biggest inflation we've ever seen, not just in the last 40 years. It's not good, and there's nowhere to hide. I can't say to you, oh, but look over here. But remember, what is the leading driver here? It's gas prices, and we're going into the summer when we drive more than ever. Now, I can say to you, remember, this is happening around the world. Look at England, look at Brazil, look at Mexico. They're all facing it, but that's not going to make people feel better. Politically, a big problem here is this is what Republicans want to hear. And I wouldn't equate the two, but Republicans know that last night's hearing was bad for them. And they're going to go, don't look at that. Look at this. But we need to remind our audience that Republicans, they're not offering any solutions. They're saying inflation is terrible. Blame the White House. They're not offering you anything better. And the biggest drivers, which are gas prices caused by the war and supply chain issues caused by the shutdown in China, none of those things are going to go away in the short term and certainly not after the midterms. We have got to buckle up. This is going to be a problem for a while. 
Well, it's going to be a problem for a while. And Stephanie, I mean, Republicans may not be offering solutions because there really aren't a lot of solutions unless you're the Fed chair. And let's talk about it. You That's said things too. are going to like, like things are going to be rough for a while. They're they're going to get worse. I mean, you had you had uh, OPEC uh, members talking about uh, last week. I'm sure you know this. They say, hey, this is only going to go from bad to worse because China has been in a covid lockdown. When China comes out of that covid lockdown, it's going to drive the demand way up. So oil prices are going to keep going through the roof. And of course, food, Ukraine. I mean, this, this is lining up, isn't it, Steph, for a very long, bumpy ride. I'm really grateful to be here today. And in fact, this is a chance for me to say thank you more formally. The, the Chevy Volt is upstairs. We'll be able to take a look at it. Thank you. We've got about a thousand photos. Yeah. Is it a plug? <laughs> <laughs> It's as simple as that. <laughs> the batteries are in the trunk? No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't. It's alive and well. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What, where, where, what's the source of a... Well, here. It's coming from the building. I mean, is it... Um, what's our mix of power? Oh, actually, Lansing feeds the building. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't, I don't know. They're. Uh, I bet you they're a bit of coal. Oh, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't they? Uh, right now, the car is charging off of your grid. Right. It would be charging off uh, our grid, which is nine, about ninety-five percent coal. Kristen, it's not just crime and homelessness that are plaguing LA and San Francisco. Republicans are are poised really to exploit soaring gas prices, inflation, the baby formula shortage. Mm -hmm. uh, how do Democrats fight back exactly. against the, the coming attacks? Can they really? Well, I mean, I think what you're raising is really important. It, it, it's easy to see this as just being about crime when in fact this is happening in the context of a broader world where people feel like everything's out of control, right? So if you're already feeling like everything's out of control, everything's too expensive, you know, we, we're, we're coming out of COVID, all of the things that have, have come along with that, then on top of it, if, if you feel like there's disorder on the streets and you don't feel safe, everything is going to be magnified. So we don't really know exactly what's causing the crime. As much as people like to point to, you know, defund the police on the left there's 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 really no evidence that that's what's happened uh, you know this could just as easily be happening because of the pandemic and because people i mean we've seen this all, everywhere right people freaking out on people on airplanes um everybody is behaving badly um you know since since the pandemic so we don't know what it is but i think it is important that democrats show that they are taking this seriously um I say this all the time, the Democratic Party actually has not endorsed uh, defund the police. Karen Bass, in fact, has not endorsed uh, defund the police. So, and has actually argued that there should be more police on the streets. So I think that that's the message that they're getting out there and that, they're, that they are taking it seriously, um, but voters have to be convinced. It's happening on Thursday, uh, Kirsten, in just two days. The January 6th Select Committee is gonna have their first primetime hearings. How do you expect this to play with a public so consumed, really, with all other problems, what we've spoken about? 
I honestly would be surprised if it affected the, the public that much because people, voters are uh, impacted or their votes are impacted primarily by what happens in their day-to-day -day lives. And that doesn't mean that this isn't important. It doesn't mean the Democrats shouldn't be doing it. Uh, it, it is critical and, and there has to be accountability, but people will be voting based on how they feel in their lives. Do they feel like they have enough money? Do they feel like gas is too expensive? There's a direct correlation between gas prices and presidential approval ratings even though the president is very limited in what they can do, uh, you know, or do they feel safe in their communities? Do they feel like things are getting back to normal? Now, unfortunately, the answer to a lot of those questions are not good answers. And so that is that is the environment that that Joe Biden is in. And it would be hard for any person to be successful in this environment when there are so many things that are really out of the president's control, um, certainly in the short term. And, and even in the long term, a lot of these things are are out of his control. And so I totally agree with what Paul's saying that, you know, people don't want to hear that, you know, things are going great and they feel like they're not going great. So it is very much empathizing with people and saying, here's the deal. You guys use COVID. You blamed Trump for COVID. And you run articles like that and you think, oh, that's news. That's that's not news. That's fucking bullshit. And I love the green car because nothing's green. Nothing's green. You don't have anything green, folks. Get the fuck out of here. Everything we have is fossil fuels. Fuel. Fuse. Fossil fuse. It's all fossil fuel. There's nothing you can do to change it. That's just the way it is. I, I just, sometimes I am just shocked. And I could play all the videos of people getting beat up and killed. Nobody, fuck it, they don't care. Gas over $5. They're still trying to play the Putin's price hike. AP, white supremacists are riling up thousands on social media. They published this yesterday after a lefty was going to assassinate a Republican. This, this is the article. Riling him up. Riling. Yeah. Yeah, no. No. Here's Tucker, because I think he sums it up well. What the fuck is going on? Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Peter Navarro is the picture of a law-abiding American citizen. He's a 72-year-old retired business school professor. He's got a PhD in economics from Harvard University. His most recent job was extremely white-collar. He served at the, as the White House trade advisor in the last presidential administration famous for his tough stance on China. He's never been charged with a crime. He's never trafficked fentanyl, for example, from Mexico. In fact, his hobby is yoga and riding his bicycle. In short, Peter Navarro does not seem like a criminal, much less a danger to this nation. And yet, last Friday, federal agents arrested Peter Navarro at Reagan National Airport in Washington. They did not call his lawyer, as is customary in cases like this. They didn't even come to his house, which, as it happens, is just feet from the FBI building. They could have walked, but they didn't. 
Instead, they took down Peter Navarro in public, as you would a fugitive terror mastermind, so everyone could see it and learn the lesson they were sending. They handcuffed Peter Navarro, they put him in leg irons, and then they threw them, him in a cell. He's now facing years in prison. So what did Peter Navarro do to deserve treatment like this? Well, he resisted a subpoena from the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee is Washington's latest partisan inquisition. It's run by Nancy Pelosi with help from obedient little quizlings like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Navarro resisted that subpoena because he had nothing to do with January 6th. Nothing whatsoever. That's not disputed. Peter Navarro did not break into the Capitol. He didn't encourage anyone else to break into the Capitol. He wasn't even there that day. He had no idea it was going to happen. Again, that's beyond dispute, and Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney know that. If you really wanted to figure out what happened on January 6th, Peter Navarro would be the last person you would talk to. Instead, you'd be talking to Ray Epps and various FBI informants. But finding out what happened on January 6th and why is not the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is preventing Donald Trump from running for president again. So in the service of that goal, Pelosi and Liz Cheney demanded that Peter Navarro surrender records of his private conversations with his former boss, President Donald Trump. And when he refused to do that, Congress voted to hold him in contempt in a partisan vote. And then Merrick Garland's Justice Department filed criminal charges against Peter Navarro. This is not the way civilized countries operate. Just because you control the White House and both houses of Congress does not mean you get to throw your political opponents behind bars. That's not what we do in America. That's what they do in Haiti. But that's what we're doing now. And Peter Navarro is not the first. Biden's Justice Department also arrested former Trump advisor Steve Bannon for a similar fake crime. Steve Bannon is awaiting trial this summer. So this is not something we've seen before. It's a huge step toward the politics of the third world. But the media, whose job you thought it was to push back against power, are not. They're, in fact, applauding because it turns out no punishment is too severe for those who disagree with the national news media. Watch them gloat. What happened to Peter Navarro is what should have happened to Peter Navarro. He was indicted. And when you're indicted, you're arrested. What Peter Navarro did it was so far out of bounds, so indefensible. This prosecution is really about punishing Navarro based on his blatant disrespect for the congressional subpoena. So they really are your enemies. They're not covering the news. They're plotting ways to hurt you. That's true. Congressional subpoenas are not optional. They lecture you. Comply with them or go to jail. That's the message the lawyers on television are sending. So let's pretend for a moment that that was true, though it's in fact not true. If there was, in fact, a law like that, for that law to be legitimate, it would have to be, like all laws, applied equally across the board. And no less than the attorney general himself has said that again and again and again. I came to work here, he said, because we're committed to the rule of law and to seeking equal justice under the law. That was Merrick Garland in January. Quote, we conduct every investigation guided by the same norms. Now, those are the norms under which this country has lived for 250 years. It's not justice unless it's applied equally to all adult American citizens, period. Anything less than that is, by definition, not justice. But we're getting much less than that, and it's very obvious. Here's just one example. Ten years ago this month, Congress voted overwhelmingly on a bipartisan vote, vote by the way, 17 Democrats, to hold Eric Holder, then the attorney general, in criminal contempt of Congress. 
Holder had refused to turn over documents showing how the Obama administration had armed the Mexican drug cartels. Do you remember that? One of the firearms they sent to Mexico under the so-called Fast and Furious program was then used to murder a U.S. Border Patrol officer. It was a scandal at the time, in case you don't recall. Watch. Border Patrol agent Brian Terry died in December 2010, killed by guns tied to an Obama administration plan that armed Mexicans, a scandal officials tried to hide by wrongly claiming executive privilege. Emails contained in the House Oversight Committee's report show top officials knew the ATF sent guns to Mexico even before Terry's death. Even the Border Patrol, which sent Terry's team into the desert, didn't know about the operation. So that was a legitimate scandal that implicated the entire U.S. government, people who actually have power, not the retirees sitting in jail because of what they did on January 6th, but people with actual power. And Eric Holder was at the very center of it, but Holder refused to comply with a subpoena from the Congress. Did the FBI arrest Eric Holder for that? Please. It was never even seriously considered. Holder asserted executive privilege, the right to have conversations with the executive, the president, that are private. He cited the long-standing policy of respecting executive privilege. And he got away with it. So a week ago, Peter Navarro made this exact point. He sued the Justice Department, pushing back against this subpoena four days before he was arrested. And in that suit, Navarro cited policy written by the DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel. That policy reads this way, quote, since the 1970s, this office has consistently advised that the president and his immediate advisors are absolutely immune from testimonial compulsion by congressional committee on matters related to their official duties, end quote. In other words, if somebody asserts executive privilege, at the very least, Congress doesn't get to arrest them. Before anyone is arrested, they have to go to a judge to rule on whether or not executive privilege is valid in this case. And that's exactly what happened in Eric Holder's case. And by the way, the federal judge rejected Eric Holder's executive privilege claim, and still he was not arrested. Why? You know why. Because he's a leading Democrat. But in Peter Navarro's case, Merrick Garland's DOJ did not even bother to ask a judge. They just arrested Peter Navarro at National Airport. So what we're seeing here isn't really about Peter Navarro or Steve Bannon. What we're seeing is a massive escalation in the use by the Democratic Party of our justice system for partisan revenge. That's exactly what that was. Peter Navarro wouldn't shut up, so they threw him in handcuffs. And in fact, at the same moment Peter Navarro was thrown in jail for asserting executive privilege, a Clinton lawyer called Michael Sussman was acquitted by a jury seated by an Obama-appointed judge. Three of the jurors in that case gave money to Hillary Clinton's campaign, and not surprisingly, those same jurors declined to punish Michael Sussman for lying to the FBI to advance the Russia collusion myth that helped Hillary Clinton's campaign. Following all this, how'd those jurors get on the jury? How'd they stay there? Now, the FBI pretended to be outraged by the fact that Michael Sussman had lied to them, but then we learned, actually, the FBI was working with Michael Sussman and his law firm, Perkins Coy. Perkins Coy had an FBI workspace in its offices in Washington for a decade. And Michael Sussman was so close to the FBI, he had a key card to FBI headquarters. We know this from a recently released text exchange. We're quoting, do you have a badge or do you need help getting into the building? The FBI's general counsel, James Baker, asked Sussman, and we're quoting now, I have a badge, Sussman replied. 
Sussman had a badge to the FBI building? How do we get one of those? Oh, we're not leading Democratic lawyers, so we can't have them. So Michael Sussman knew he'd never be punished. Take three steps back. What's going on here? In a fantastic piece today, the Federalist, Ben Weingarten explained how we should understand these two prosecutions. Quote, they send an unmistakable message. We can get you anytime, anywhere, on any grounds we choose. You can't touch even a single one of ours. That's it right there. This is a partisan play by a political party that has somehow completely taken over our largest law, largest law enforcement agency. And Andrew Sussman is not, Michael Sussman is not even the biggest example of this. Andrew McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, all of them lied to the feds as well. That's a crime. None of them were ever hauled off in leg irons. In fact, they're now at CNN, MSNBC, and Georgetown, respectively. They were rewarded with better jobs for what they did. They always are. Jim Clapper and John Brennan committed perjury on television before Congress. There's no dispute about that. What do they do? Oh, they're on TV now, too. Hunter Biden lied on a federal gun form. That's a felony. How was he punished? Oh, a mild probing on CBS that he just shrugged off as if it were nothing. Watch. Why did you have a gun? Well, I did, again, you know, the period of my life that um, was difficult. It was, um, but, you know, I, I don't know. According to the reporting, at one point, the Secret Service went looking for the record of sale. Do you know, know anything about that? Nothing, no. But you know about the Secret Service being involved? In no, that? I had no idea. I, I don't know whether the Secret Service were or what, why they would be, or I don't think that that's true. <laughs> I don't know why the Secret Service were involved. Really? You had no idea? Because they were with you. They helped you. You committed a gun felony. It's all out there. But Hunter Biden is the president's son. And more importantly, he's a faithful party loyalist. So you know, as well as he does, he doesn't have a thing to worry about. In fact, he can flaunt his crimes. RadarOnline.com just got pictures of Hunter Biden casually waving his illegal firearm around as he cavorted with a prostitute several years ago. The pictures show Hunter Biden's finger on the trigger of the gun, as well as crack cocaine and drug paraphernalia. Hmm, a weapon of war in the hands of a drug addict. Is the Justice Department bothered by this? No, of course not. You know what bothers the Justice Department quite a bit? Defying the Democratic Party. Do that and your house gets raided by a SWAT team that tips off CNN before it happens. Roger Stone discovered that the hard way. Exclusive footage you're looking at right now from CNN as the FBI arrives at Roger Stone's residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, taking him into custody. They arrived before dawn there, before 6 a.m., or just after 6 a.m. A dozen officers were told. So that's the actual norm. If you were Tony Podesta and you work for the Democratic Party, you're totally fine. Nothing you do is going to get you in trouble, and you know it. If you're Roger Stone and you've done nothing wrong at all, but you've given the finger to the Democratic Party, they show up at your house with guns. That's the norm the attorney general is upholding. Serve the Democratic Party and you will be rewarded, even if you're a felon. At almost exactly the moment the DOJ was putting Peter Navarro in shackles, the DOJ was also dropping the most serious charges against the two left-wing lawyers who tried to incinerate cops, burn them to death in their patrol cars during the BLM riots. Now, this pair had faced 30 years in jail on terrorism charges, but that was too tough 
for the Biden DOJ. They'll be out in a couple, max. Why? Because they've got the right politics. And Liz Cheney's not giving you a lecture about it. People who try to burn police officers to death are a threat to our democracy. No, they're fine. We're just going to ignore them. It never happened. This happens all the time. In California, at the height of the BLM riots, a career felon called Tony Walker executed a 19-year-old Berkeley student called Seth Smith, walked up for no reason, never seen him before in his life, and executed him, fired a gun into the back of his head. Why do you do this? Because of his skin color. It was a racially motivated attack. F that white M effort, Walker said. No one denies that. He said that. But here's the interesting thing. A guy's just executed on the street because he's got the wrong skin color? Sounds like a hate crime, right? No. Merrick Garland's DOJ did not pr pursue hate crime charges. In fact, a month ago, prosecutors caught an unbelievable deal with Walker. They sentenced him on a single charge of, brace yourself, voluntary manslaughter. F that white MF'er, he said, as he executed a college student. That sounds like voluntary manslaughter. This is a dangerous trend, and not just because people are dying. Nothing destroys the legitimacy of our institutions more than politicized law enforcement. You can't have that. Justice must be blind. If there is a single institution we have to preserve for the sake of our children and grandchildren, it's our justice system and the law enforcement agencies that serve it. They can't be corrupt. If they're corrupt, it's going to be pretty hard to live here. Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the lunatics on the January 6th committee have done far more damage to this democracy than the rioters ever did. Far more. And now they're trying to make it worse. Axios is reporting that some members of the committee, quote, want big changes on voting rights and even to abolish the Electoral College. Abolishing the Electoral College. And if you're against that, of course, you're undermining democracy. Was it a conspiracy? I think certainly. I mean, look, if you, you look at the court filings, um, you well, do look you believe at, it was a conspiracy? I do. It is extremely broad. It's extremely well organized. It's um, really chilling. Oh, it's really chilling. What's really chilling is when the committee gets to arrest people, not because they violated meaningful laws or pose a threat to the United States, but because their politics are unacceptable, because they have given the finger to people like Liz Cheney. Is Liz Cheney okay with that? The upholder of democracy? We texted Liz Cheney on Friday and said, are you okay with this? They just arrested a 72-year-old man who did nothing wrong? Doesn't that cross some kind of line? Are you going to stand up and say something about it? She didn't respond. The January 6th committee has just hired a former producer of Good Morning America called James Goldston. He'll be overseeing the committee's primetime hearings on Thursday night. So the show trial now has a production crew. And of course, we'll be covering that. The issue they have is that they said the adults were going to be in office again and they were going to fucking be able to run forever. It's another one of those wet fantasies. Demographics are destiny. They're going to be perfect. Nobody's going to fuck up. Nothing's going to fall apart. They already knew the economy was going to bounce back because everybody got put on hold. They kind of stay at their fucking house or they lost their job and everything was going to be great. It was going to be rising and he was going to get all this green shit and it was just going to be perfect, but it didn't fucking happen. So now he's worse than Trump and they can't accept that because Trump is Satan. They told you he's Satan. Why don't you think he's Satan?
This sums it up. Federal musket. Regarding these constant comparisons to Trump, Trump's first two years were a nonstop parade of media hit stories and the now debunked Russian collusion nonsense. Biden has spent his first two years, m- years mostly as a media darling. The media coverage of Trump was absolutely absurd. Literally everything was the walls are closing in or the beginning of the end. People refer to this term as chaos, but what it what. But was it him driving the chaos or Democrats' absurd responses to everything he did, didn't do, said, didn't say? And that's just so right. If you really reflect, even if you're never Trumper, go back and think. Go back and think. It was the media driving it. Compared to Biden's fuck-ups, it's nothing. Comparing the approval of two is completely incorrect. It was really the Trump years where I learned to read a story and then just give it a minute. Biden is unpopular because his teenage staffers, which is so fucking true, are leaning in hard on gender issues while everyone else is screaming about crime, gas prices, and labor shortages. Trump was unpopular because of ice cream. It's so true. Ice cream. He... Got two. Nobody else got two. And then on Insurrection Day, because you won't let it go, here's my last Tucker, and we're going to go to Woke. My God, people. You were trying to milk a fucking bull. A year and a half after January 6th, the date much in the news right now, It's interesting that even the most basic questions about what actually happened that day remain mysteriously unanswered. First and most obviously, if you've seen the tape, why did law enforcement open the doors of the building and let protesters walk right into the Capitol? That's bizarre behavior, no matter what they say. So why did it happen? And then once it did happen, why did authorities lie to the country for months and tell us that Officer Brian Sicknick had been murdered by the mob when in fact the medical examiner determined that he died of a stroke hours later. Just tonight on CBS News, we were informed just a moment ago, as Nora O'Donnell stared on like it was true, that five police officers were murdered by the mob on January 6th. Really? We know of one killing on January 6th, and that killing was committed by Officer Michael Byrd, a Capitol Hill police officer with a confirmed record of highly reckless behavior with firearms. And yet, for some reason, he was allowed to shoot an unarmed, non-threatening woman in the neck. Why was he allowed to do that? What was the justification? No one's ever told us. Why is that? And by the way, just how many FBI agents and DOJ informants were active in the crowd on January 6th? And what exactly were they doing there? Why can't we know the answer to that question? Seriously. And why did Kamala Harris lie about where she was on January 6th? And why there's still no leads on those two attempted pipe bombings on Capitol Hill. Remember those? There are massive amounts of physical evidence, but the FBI apparently has gotten nowhere. How come? And so on. So there is still, once again, a remarkable amount that we don't know about what happened that day, despite the fact they tell us it was the largest FBI investigation in American history. That's very strange. We'll address it all in some detail on tomorrow's show. But tonight we want to get to the most basic question of all that you never hear asked. And it's this. Why did so many Trump voters show up at the Capitol in the first place? Somehow no one's ever really explained that. For a year and a half, Democrats have searched for a smoking gun that would prove some sort of pre-planned conspiracy to storm the Capitol. They haven't found that. 
because there wasn't a pre-planned conspiracy. So instead, they've told us that the crowd converged on the Capitol that day because their orange cult leader commanded them to. Now, Trump did encourage a protest that day. That is true. But it's not a real explanation for what happened next. The people you saw outside the Capitol on January 6th were not brainwashed robots mindlessly following their leader. Whatever you think of them, they weren't sociology students from Wesleyan telling you the straight face there are 400 genders because their professors told them so. No, they were just the opposite. These were mostly sober middle-class people, older for the most part, small business owners from smallish towns far from the fashionable coasts. They're mostly passionately patriotic Americans, the kind who believe in the Bill of Rights and know what it says. These are people who genuinely love America, far more than, say, Chuck Schumer loves America. So why were they there? Why'd they go to the Capitol? Well, because, again, unlike Chuck Schumer, they actually believed in democracy and they believed their democracy had been taken from them. They were convinced that the presidential election was unfair, which it certainly was. Some of them believed the election had been rigged. We'll let others debate whether that's true, but the fact is many that day believed it was true. And that itself is a huge problem for all of us going forward. The fact that large numbers of Americans believe democracy isn't real may itself be the biggest threat to our democracy. Because in order for our system to work, the population has to believe that it works. In other words, that our elections are fair and transparent and therefore legitimate. You can't just censor or arrest people for thinking the system is rigged. You have to show them the system isn't rigged. That is your baseline obligation if you lead the country. And yet the Biden administration, amazingly, is doing just the opposite. After screaming at the rest of us for questioning elections, that's immoral, they said, Joe Biden himself has begun to do just that. Here's Biden in January. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. You were asked whether or not you believed that we would have free and fair elections in 2022 if some of these state legislatures reformed their voting protocols. You said that it depends. Uh, do, you, do you think that they would in any way be illegitimate? Oh, yeah, I think it easily could be, be illegitimate. Huh? So 2020 was the most secure election in American history. They tell us that endlessly. And you're a nut, probably a criminal, if you say otherwise. And they say that because Biden won. He got, what do they say, 81 million votes. But things are different now because the Democratic Party understands it will be severely punished. It will be spanked at the polls five months from now. So because they know what the outcome is going to be, Joe Biden is now telling us that that election could, quote, easily be illegitimate. Illegitimate? How would it be illegitimate? Well, if states required voter IDs at the polls to stop voter fraud, that would be racism, it would be the new Jim Crow. Remember that? There are so many more important things, but the left's not serious. How do we know that? Woke. Turn it up.
like looks at American flags and I'm just like, ugh. Ugh. Like someone just came on the beach with American flag chair. And they're giving me a very like Trumpy vibe. I think American flag is like very Trumpy now and I'm just like I can't. I, I just cannot with any of it. <laughs> Happy Pride, everybody. I already mentioned this in my story, but um, I've added a new set of pronouns to the pronouns that I'm comfortable being called. I've been sitting on Faye Fair Fair's pronouns for a while and honestly kind of psyching myself out about it. I'm like, oh, do I really want to like change this again? And then I like realized I was like, who cares? Like, if I decide that I don't like them, I can just stop using them. My other thing about this new set of pronouns is that I would only like for queer and trans people to use them for me cishet people they them queer and or trans people you can use they them or fey fair it's all good with me i'm excited because fey fair pronouns make me feel very affirmed in my not feeling like a person it, this is what we're talking about right here those are the people that are more important than you and i they rate higher with the biden administration than hard-working americans who aren't woke What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? I'm just going to leave it there. There'll be a test at the end. Somebody tell me. So, the Felicia summons from Washington Post fired. Finally, they grabbed their balls. Exclusive as parted ways. Washington Post national political reporter Felicia Summers having a week of fighting that stocked, stoked conversations over newsroom inequity and social media use and pitted reporters against each other. And they finally just said, get the fuck out. But Taylor Lorenz, they're scared of that bitch. Taylor Lorenz discusses COVID prevention with Sydney Leathers, calls out Nikki Freed, comms director for flying maskless. Had to fly soon for work and as someone who is medically vulnerable, I'm so scared. All COVID precautions that I keep high-risk people safe have been dropped. I plan to keep an N95 in my face for all seven hours with zero water breaks, but I'm scared it might not seal. Any tips? Sydney Leathers. I've had to fly tons for work and I wear a K95 the whole time. Uh, the whole time and take a little thing of hand sanitizer with me and still someone somehow haven't got COVID. It seems the good masks really do work. I think you'll be okay. Sydney Leathers tells all in a revealing interview about Anthony Weiner's sexting scandal with her titties out. Dr. Tom Frieden, pinch the nose piece, use hand sanitizer, think about time in the airport that's higher risk than the airplane. Taylor Lorenz, unfortunately, hand sanitizer doesn't protect against COVID airborne transmission. A bunch of people are getting it with KN5s because it's so contagious, but so glad to hear you've gotten it yet. Stay safe and remember that it's airborne. That's, that's the left. They, they, they broke these people. They broke them. They just broke them. And how did they break them? Well, shit like this. The true meaning of the word cisgender. Yeah, I went down that rabbit hole. It's made up. It's not real. Some person came up with it. Rooted in racism. Coffee's bitter origins. Coffee and conversation, a work in progress, dismantling white supremacy in our workplace. Addressing anti-blackness and specialty coffee, 
Drinking coffee is outright just motherfucking racist. That's this article. The color coffee, racism, gender, and coffee consumption in 19th century Algeria. I saw it as a meme and I thought it was a joke. But yes, coffee is racist. You fucking pigs. Coffee. Twitter is censoring drag jokes, kid posts from libs of TikTok. Let that sit. They're blurring them because of the children. But it's not going to lick itself. It was still a great event. Anybody out there? Teen Vogue, LGBTQs cry that kids can't celebrate being gay. That's because they're fucking kids. They're kids. My God, what is wrong with you? They're kids. I, I, wow. Seriously, folks, we, 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 we got some serious, serious problems. We got serious problems. I mean, this shit, motherfucker, please just can't fucking believe some of these stories that I read and and they're real. Catholic Governor Murphy begs companies to relocate from red states to New Jersey because of abortion. Lefties praise documentary about 11,000 illegal abortions. Here's the trailer. We were ordinary women trying to save women's lives, but we were criminals. We were felons. For most of the nation, in 72, abortion was illegal. We had to go underground. The woman would be given the address to the front. It was probably obvious to neighbors what was going on. We came to the surface from other things, the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement. You couldn't not pay attention to what was going on. Fetal death is murder. You could not work as a pregnant woman. If you weren't married, you were out of luck. They were terrible situations. The septic abortion word was full every day. Women did awful things. They were literally dying because they were women. So we thought we can be of use. I said, we could use my phone, but change it so that they don't ask for Eleanor. How about Jane? Nobody's called Jane anymore. We had the phone numbers on bulletin boards around Chicago. Pregnant called Jane. The clientele included daughters, wives, mistresses of police, state's attorney, judges. It dawned on me how big an issue this was. Jane was an outrageous undertaking by a lot of smart women. I was not there to pass judgment. I knew there were women like me. 
under the radar of the Chicago Mafia and police department. We were all being watched. The phone rings. A man says, we know where you are. There were 11 counts of conspiracy to commit abortion. 110 years for each of us. So that's a long time. That might have ended Jane right then and there. I couldn't see myself sitting on the sidelines. We were building a new world, one woman at a time. Sometimes you have to stand up to illegitimate authority. And sometimes they're unjust laws that need to be challenged. Military Times, military abortion options expected to be debated in annual defense process. How the Army can work around states cracking down on abortion and trans rights. That's the Army Times. Oh, and also, listen to this word salad. Yellowstone Mountain, that honored Army officer who led massacre, renamed. A government panel was renamed to Yellowstone National Park Mountain that has been named for U.S. Army officer who helped lead the massacre of Native Americans. Mount Doan will now be called First People Mountain. Because I guess the elk and bison, man, they, they're having a hard time with that. I can't believe I got to live in this racist fucking shit. Here's our This Is America, CNN about abortion and I cannot believe this is Liz Cheney is a hero from Morning Joe this is America don't catch you slipping now don't catch you slipping now look what I'm whipping now this is America don't catch you slipping now it's time for the worst soundbite when the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. Well, next week, the House will vote on a Senate-passed bill that enhances security for Supreme Court justices and their families. The bill's purpose was brought into sharp focus earlier this week after an armed man was arrested near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home. That suspect is now being charged with attempting or threatening to kidnap or murder the Supreme Court Justice. CNN's Nick Watt has more on the heightened threats against members of the judiciary. Came from California, took a taxi from the airport to this location. To Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home carrying a Glock pistol and zip ties, says the FBI, planning to kill Kavanaugh found the address online. The nine justices, all nine justices, are in danger uh, because that information is out there. According to the complaint, he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to abortion. The public disclosure on 2nd of May prompted a significant increase in violent threats, reads a DHS memo circulated last month. Some of these threats described burning down or storming the U.S. Supreme Court and murdering justices and their clerks. 
Abortion has long fueled fury since the Roe v. Wade decision nearly 50 years ago. Anti-abortion extremists have carried out multiple bombings and murders. Now, the DHS, since the leak of that draft opinion that could overturn Roe v. Wade, also fears pro-abortion rights extremist violence. So there's now a high fence around the high. Cheney, a Republican profile in courage after the Capitol attack. And uh, Ed says a lot, of, a lot of politicians through the years have loved quoting Winston Churchill. Very few actually show Churchillian courage. We've certainly seen that with Zelensky uh, in Ukraine in the most graphic of, of terms. But uh, Lou says that we saw some of that with Liz Cheney. Uh, just the right thing to do. I think that's what Liz Cheney would tell you. And the fact that it's being described as Churchillian, the fact that it's being described as extraordinary, uh, which that's says a lot about Liz Cheney. I, I think it says a lot more about uh, just how intellectually and morally bankrupt Liz's party is. Well, you know, Joe, I mean, January 6th, just to cite one day that we're talking about here this morning, shows that there was an extraordinary absence of courage, political courage. And there was an ex She has covered herself in glory. She has covered herself clothed in character. She has risked her political future, certainly. In order, to, in order to tell this country exactly what happened. And basically, again, as we were talking about in the last hour. She will not be forgotten by history. She will be remembered for doing this at her own political peril. And she knows that. She knows she's taking a risk. She knows there's a very good chance she's going to lose her primary because of this. But she doesn't care because this is too important. And that is political courage. And you're right, the bar for political courage has been lowered. This seems obvious to most of us. But she's risking her job, and that's something no other Republican has been. No, no, she's she's not a hero. I, I don't care what you say. So, going to do a light affair really quick. Dagan Medell with a really funny quip off of yesterday's five. And then an exciting announcement. Live PD is coming back. We've got five more of these hearings. Maybe that comes out, maybe it doesn't. It's very clear, given the why now of all of this, it's to maybe prevent uh, the gross shellacking that the Democrats are going to get in, in November. Maybe it won't be quite as bad. You said reality show. I am a voracious consumer of reality television. <laughs> and if James Goldston, that ABC News dude who they brought in, he ain't putting last night on his resume. He put uh, Liz Cheney up there for more than half an hour talking over graphics and photos and then just tossing the video. It was intensely boring. And then you always want to have somebody like likable, relatable, who's fierce in a reality show cast. Who do we have come who on that on that panel, on that committee? Jamie Raskin. Oof. We want to watch him for five more episodes. He wanted to get rid of the Electoral College when Al Gore lost. 
or my personal favorite, Adam Schiff, was the, he peddled the collusion theory for so many years and talked about there's more than circumstantial evidence in plain sight of the Russia collusion hoax. I would rather be locked in a porta john than have to watch Adam Schiff for five episodes <laughs> of anything. Well, I'll share with you because that even Joe Biden didn't watch last night. So, but Sean, the headline hot off the presses this morning that so many of us had been highly anticipating for two years. The producers of Live PD and I will be back with a new live police show on Friday and Saturday nights. You'll see us with a different name, new network, some changes. But this summer, we're coming back on cable network reels. And as of now, it'll be called On Patrol Live. So first, I want to say thank you to the Live PD Nation. I know this wait was long, but we needed the right platform to make this show what it should be. You never gave up the faith, and neither did I. As many of you know, I've been advocating for the show to return since the day it went off the air. Here on News Nation, I actually had the entire gang from the original show on for a reunion. At the end of the program, I got personal. Nothing in my professional career has compared to being a part of Live PD. We became a family. Those of us on the set, the producers, the crews, both in studio and those who are out with the officers. And of course, most importantly, all of you. Together, you, we, had something truly special that I had never had in my professional life. I want it back. So rest assured, that I will continue to fight the fight as best I can. And I'm going to bring those sweaters back. For the last two years, my Twitter's been flooded by so many of you demanding that we bring the show back. Well, it's not the same exact show, but we still will be live in multiple departments watching the work police officers do every day. And the mission will be the same. Again, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of you. We did it. And of course, my compadre, retired Tulsa Police Lieutenant Sean Sticks Larkin will be back. There'll be some new components of the show, including having citizens ride along with officers. We'll also feature new departments. Got some cool pictures of me and Sticks there. And remember, Lieutenant Deputy Sheriff Curtis Wilson with the Richland County, South Carolina Sheriff's Department. He'll also be joining us as a full-time commentator on set. Before I bring in Sticks to talk about this, let me say this. Two years ago, when I was upset about the decision to pull the show, sometimes I said things that were viewed as controversial. I was told to, to, to stop by friends, other people, that I was endangering my career by speaking out, that police were the bad guys to so many in the media. This isn't the time to make those kinds of comments. So wanting to see how police work is done from the officer's perspective was viewed as, I don't know, was wrong or shameful. Well, now it seems that Many have come around and realized, oh, well, we actually need our police. My position has never changed. We needed our police officers then. We need them now. And we need our show. Joining me now is retired Tulsa Police Lieutenant. And yes, the co-host of the upcoming show on Reels, On Patrol Live, Sean Sticks Larkin. Sticks, we're thrilled. We're happy. We Dan, got it. Dan, Dan. 
More than happy, more than happy. Hey, listen, before we jump in this conversation, you just made a, a comment, though, that I have to ask you now. You said that, yes, the sweaters will be back. Yes. Are, you are, are you referring to the Christmas silly sweaters or the tight, snug ones that you wear that we like to give you a hard time no about. i'm talking about the tight snug sweaters they're not they're not oh, quite as tight as your polo shirts but they're but they're definitely the, the tight sweaters are going to be back i cannot wait cannot wait cannot wait so your reaction to the news Oh, listen, this has been a long time coming. Uh, obviously, I've been very fortunate to work with you on various projects during the last two years, but this is something that you and I have had conversations about privately. Um, everywhere that I go, both here in Tulsa or out on the road or even when I'm out with friends, running into my old co-workers from the police department, everybody always wanted to know, when is the show coming back? And we have consistently said it, hey, we believe a show like it very similar to it, if not the original, will be back, and I am so happy that we're able to talk about it here today. Yep, and you know what? I feel like I feel like I should take off my tie because you know what? You know, on the on oh. the show, it's going to be no tie days, so uh, I'm not wearing a tie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just for the sake of this conversation, take off the tie. Oh, let's go. Relax a little bit, chill, and talk about the new show. Now, <laughs> I've got a polo on. <laughs> What do you so what do you think is most important for us to do on this uh, on this new show? What, what's the most important part of the show for you? Hey, listen, you know, uh, the, the topic of policing has been an important conversation going on for the last several years now. And I think it is important that people uh, are able to sit at home and watch the police profession in action every Friday and Saturday night. Um, they will be able to see police officers from all over the country, what they are dealing with day in and day out, uh, day in and day out. And you kind of get the full story almost to what the police officers have to deal with on a car stop, on a burglary call, a domestic and so forth. And I think that is so important right now for the people in our country to see. And, you know, On Patrol Live is the working title. Um, you know, I like it. Do you? All right. I do. All right. I do. I, right. I like it. I'm not I do totally, like it. Yeah. I wasn't totally a... sold on it the first time I heard it, but but if you like it, then I then I think I can probably live with it. Right? You're into it? Hey, we can call it Sticks and, sticks and Dan. Yeah, yeah. Sticks and yeah. Dan. Dan and Sticks. We can, right. we, can, we can call it uh, Sticks, Curtis, and the rest of the cops. Um, and, Let's uh, go. And how excited are we that Curtis is joining us? Man, I, I am so excited. Obviously, Richland County Sheriff's Department has been a part of that program from the first episode all the way up until the very end. Sheriff Leon Lott there, uh, a huge supporter yeah. of the community, seeing what his his deputies do day in and day out. And a lot of the uh, deputies from their agency became fan favorites. Curtis, although he was not on the show out there like Danny Brown, yeah. and, you know, Mastriani and some of these guys like that, uh, he will be someone that they recognize. He has a background in broadcasting. He's Absolute perfect. perfect fit. I look forward to working with him. We're back, baby. We're back. We're yes. back. Can't wait. Let's go. Sticks, thank you. Stick around. We're going to have you in the next segment. Appreciate it. Yes, I'd rather be with Schiff in a porta potty, too. And having Live PD back, I know it's probably going to be woke. They're going to have to woke something just to keep the motherfuckers off. So they're probably going to have a longer delay and most likely more representation of the criminals. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to fucking play this shit. But it'd be nice to have it back on Fridays and Saturdays because we haven't had it in a long time. And 
you know, it was a dumb decision, but that's why it happened. They didn't want people to see that cops are good people and that they do a lot for the community and the one in fucking whatever million, it's like a million interactions if something goes bad. Usually the motherfucker got shot in the face was the reason why he got shot in the fucking face. It isn't like cops are just literally that bullshit with Bush and AOC and all these fucking race hustlers. Yeah, no, no, no. They're not running around trying to kill motherfuckers. Especially since most of the shootings have people that are Latinx, but they get classified as white Latino. I still don't know what that means, but oh. Okay. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast, episode 604. Share with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com and disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. I want to say congratulations to my nephew, Sean in Oregon. He's a supporter of the show. Graduated from high school. Going to go to college. Going to make more money than I ever made. And as I texted to his father, move it in the backyard. Just won't bring the, I won't bring the dogs. Cats, we'll just leave. They can get eaten by the dogs. It'll work out. But me and Gigi are moving in your backyard when you have your mansion. Because, you know, life's pretty fucked up right now. I don't see me getting a decent job for a while until I get fixed. So, we'll just bring our camper. Plug in. Yes, I wear, wear, will wear a bathrobe and dump my septic into your pool. Because the rain gutter, that just, that's just cheap. It's got to be in the pool. It'd be much better. So, we're looking at a next show. Probably Wednesday we'll go. Yeah, so let's shoot for 15 June. Hopefully my health will keep improving. Tried some different things, a few different medicines, eating differently, fasting. It's been a good two-day run. We'll see how that lasts. Should be interesting. And uh, after July 11th, uh, start looking for a job. It'll be fun. You guys stay safe out there. Next Saturday, we're going to the race. So let me get that in. Going to go see the Nashville Xfinity race. Put on my Noah Gregson kit and be rooting for Noah, the mayor of fucking Throttleville, to bring home a win and climb the fence and chug a beer right in front of me. Really looking forward to that. But I will definitely be putting plenty of video on the Sunday show. So we'll go this Wednesday and this coming Sunday. Until then, thank you all for listening. Take care of yourself and be safe.